morning. Morning. Awesome. All right. This is something I do to my kids at class quite a bit. So, like, on a scale of thumbs, how was your week? So, this is not good, this is okay, and this is good. So, on a scale of thumbs, how was your week so far? Okay, good, good. All right, cool. Um, awesome. Well, um, so as you can see, the title uh, this morning is From Servanthood to Friendship, based in John 15. Um, so the, the Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus represent a family, right? The Trinity. Uh, and how many of you know that how we relate to our earthly father is often how we view Father God, right? Um, and that's about as far as I went, but I don't know why I didn't keep going with this, but it's the same thing with your mom. The same way that you relate to the Holy Spirit, or to your mom is the same way you relate to the Holy Spirit. Um, mothers have the nurturing, comforting quality that they're born with, um, and the Holy Spirit is known as the comforter, and it's the same thing. Well, it's the same thing with Jesus. You know, Jesus is called the firstborn of many brethren, and oftentimes how we relate to our siblings um, is oftentimes how we view Jesus. Uh, and so, you know, on the mom part, you know, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the nurturer. Um, and so you guys can take a guess whenever Ezra bumps himself or trips and falls, um, who in the world do you think that he runs to, right? So like I could be playing ball with him or something. And let's say he bumps his head on something and he'll start to let out a little whimper and he'll look at me and realize that's not good enough. And he'll start looking for mom, and he'll see mom, and he starts whimpering, looks at me, kind of scowls a little bit, and then goes right to mom, right? Why? Because she is going to pick him, hold him, nurture him, comfort him. It's okay. You know, I'm just kind of like, dude, it's all right. You know, you're fine. Get over it. Um, <laughs> but, but mom, Jalissa, is the nurturer, the comforter. And so I want you guys to see, see these relationships between how we, how we view God, how we view our Father, um, how we view our mom, how we view the Holy Spirit, and siblings, it's Jesus. And uh, so how we relate to our siblings is often how we see Jesus. And uh, are, there any, are there any babies in the family, like the youngest? Good. All right. Those are the ones you want to hang out with. Those are the fun ones. Awesome. Um, well, that's me too. Uh, and also, Jalissa is too. You guys ever hear, like, there's this statistic out there that statistically the worst marriages are when one baby of the family marries another baby of the family, and they get together. And is it really awesome? That's Lamar and Janet. Well, that's me and Jalissa too. So um, everybody has to have their own way, right? Um, no, that's not a marriage. <laughs> All right. So anyways, I've got two older sisters. Uh, Emily, she's nine years older than me, and Amy is six years older than me. Uh, and so I was a little bit further behind, and um, my mom would have you know I was not an accident. I was an unexpected blessing. Uh, <laughs> uh, she will tell you that to this day. Unexpected blessing. Thanks, Mom. Um, she'll listen to this, too, at some point. Uh, well, anyways, uh, Emily's nine years older than me. Amy's six years older than me. I didn't have a super close relationship with them. Uh, the age difference, and they were more interested in other things that I was not. Um, and so I wouldn't necessarily call us friends when we were growing up. Um, 
And oftentimes you could probably describe our relationship as maybe like me being their little minion. Um, you know, like, you know, normal stuff like, hey, go do this or go do that or go run around the house six times with your underwear on. Like, you know, normal stuff. And, um, and I wish, you know, I, that just happened last week. Um, but <laughs> I do wish, I wish I had a timer because seven-year-old Danny would have broken speed records in Holmes County for that. Um, but now our relationship is a whole lot better. Uh, it really is. Like it's um, the way God has moved in, in my siblings' lives, like in me, it's where we, he has brought us together, which has just been, it's been awesome. Um, we can be open and honest and real and, and vulnerable with each other. But anyways, that's not how I entered into my relationship with Jesus, being real, open, vulnerable. That's not how I entered into it. I entered into it um, as one of complete service. Um, I viewed myself completely as his servant. Um, and it might sound like I'm downplaying that. And before you throw heresy tomatoes, um, I'm not downplaying the role of a servant in our lives and, and, and to be a servant. Um, it is absolutely essential, important, and we're actually commanded to be servants. We are, it's not an option. We are commanded to be servants of the king, to be servants of each other. Um, we're commanded to do that. But there's a place that there's, there's, there's somewhere deeper where we can go. Um, but, you know, here's the, the real reason why I saw myself as just a servant that was not worthy of his creator, you know, of the entire world. I didn't understand, I did not understand why Jesus would die for me. I did not get it. Um, you know, how, we've all heard, if you were the only one on this earth, you know, Christ would have died for you. And how many of you followed it up with afterwards with, why? <laughs> why? Like, I, I did not get it. Here I was, I was saved, and I was going to heaven. I knew that. Stuck in sin, stuck in bondage, and not bearing a whole lot of fruit on, the, on my tree. That's who I was. So why? Like, I, you know, I accepted him. I knew I, I had debt I couldn't pay. I had sin I couldn't pay. So I accepted him, and I knew that, but I didn't understand. Why would he die for me? Why would he die and pay a debt I could never pay? just to watch me flounder in sin on this earth. Why would he do that? And I didn't understand that even before I was saved, I was a lost child of God. I also didn't understand that you don't pay the highest price for something that's not worth it, right? You know, come on, God is not financially illiterate, right? You know, he doesn't see, you know, something he wants, like take these, these, these two banners, and God comes down the aisle, and he says, I want those two banners, and we'll say, okay, God, what's your price? A billion dollars. No, he's not, you know, he doesn't pay a billion dollars for something that's not worth a billion dollars, right? That's probably, well, it's probably worth quite a bit, right, Janet? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, good. Um, but anyways, if, if you've ever had a child um, and by some, I don't know, tragic accident or you lose them, whatever, you would give anything to get them back. Anything. Why? Because they are worth the highest price. They are so valuable. You would pay anything to get them back. Anything. 
Well, that's exactly what God did. It's exactly what God did. We're not just a couple banners or, you know, that's not what it is. Lamar, reading Psalms 40 this morning, why did he pull us up out of the pit, out of the miry clay? Because we're worth it, right? Because God saw something that was worth saving. There was something there that was lost. Something that's worthless doesn't get that time time and attention to detail. We're worth something. I didn't understand that. You see, oftentimes a servant does not see himself worthy of his master. And so he renders his life as one of complete service in hope of repaying some of the debt that he totally forgave him of. So what I propose to you today is there is a place of deeper intimacy and relationship with Jesus than merely being a servant, and it's called friendship. So I'm not downplaying the role of a servant because it is clear that we are commanded to be servants. Um, Even our perfect example, Jesus himself, he said in Matthew 26, he said, if you want to be great, you must become a servant. And verse 28, he says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus set the example that we should have the heart of a servant. And we're supposed to follow him in all things. So I'm not downplaying that. How about Philippians 2, 3 through 7? This is Paul. He's saying, don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. There's more. Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19, he says, for though I'm free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win some of them. Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity through the flesh, but through love, serve one another. We're commanded to serve. It's not an option. But we're going to look at John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. We're going to go to John 15. And we're going to look at what Jesus' words say in there. And we're going to see that there's a distinct difference in the role of merely being a servant and the role of a friend. Why don't we pray? God, I just ask that your word would speak to us. Spirit, would you speak to us? Show us revelation. Show us who you are. Father, take us deeper today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, John chapter 15. Uh, We're going to start in verse 12. We're going to go through 17. So just setting the stage here. So this is after the Last Supper, or at the Last Supper, and, uh, you know, Jesus is tell- and, and telling them what's going to happen. Um, this, is, this is the last of his days. And he's talking about, you know, abide in me and, and I in you. Stay in me. Let my words abide in you. Abide in my love. Stay in my love. Um, as the Father has loved me, I've loved you. You know, and he ends it in verse, uh, it's verse 11, just before where we're going to start. He says, I'm saying these things to you so that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be full. That's amazing, right? So if we're not experiencing fullness of joy, we know it's available. 
Even though we might not be experiencing it, it is available, okay? Don't say that you cannot have joy in any circumstance. It's available. All right, we're gonna start in verse 12. So he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you'll love one another. So Jesus is telling them, look, listen, there's a distinction that, that I'm making between you. You've, you've been servants for three years, but I'm no longer gonna call you servants. I'm gonna call you into a friendship, okay? But this friendship, friendship with the Lord, it's a conditional promise, okay? There must be, there, there's conditions on our end that must be met um, before, if, if we want to enter into a friendship with the Lord, there mu- there's two conditions that have to be met. Um, we're going to look at the first condition. Look at verse 14. He says, you are my friends if, if means there's a condition on it, if you do what I command you. Now, guess what? That sounds like a servant, right? That's exactly what a servant does. A servant does whatever he's told to do. So I'm not downplaying the role of a servant because Jesus said, if you first want to enter into friendship with me, you must first serve and you must do what I command you to do, right? Every true friend is a servant first. Every true friend. So, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you have a friendship but you're not interested in esteeming them higher than yourselves or... Um, serving them, that's not really a friendship. That's, I don't know, that's a sidekick or a buddy or I don't know. But a true friendship, you serve one another. You esteem them higher than yourselves. So that's one condition. The first condition is you do what he tells you to do. You do what he tells you to do. Here's the second condition if you want to enter into a friendship with the Lord. This is in Psalms verse 25. You don't have to go there. I think it's up there. Um, Yes, awesome. 25 verse 14. This is awesome. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. So the second condition of a friendship with the Lord is fearing him. Now, it's very, very important that we understand the idea of what the fear of the Lord is. Um, The fear of the Lord... um, the word fear in the Hebrew, it's translated like yarah, I don't know, something like that. Um, but a proper understanding of the fear of the Lord is so, so important. The fear of the Lord is not dread or anxiety um, of something happening or being afraid of him. Um, if he said to cast all your anxieties upon him, why would he make a condition for friendship to be that you have to be anxious of me? It doesn't make any sense. It's not true, okay? So there's a difference between those words. Um, it, translated simply, it means awe or wonder. And it also includes the idea of 
wonder, amazement, mystery, astonishment, gratitude, admiration, and worship. That's the fear of the Lord. That is amazing. This past summer, we got to go uh, out west and... um, we, so the siblings I were talking about, we had a great trip. It was, it was Jalissa and I, my two other siblings there, um, Emily's husband, Jared, uh, and their two little daughters and Ezra. And instead of getting multiple rental cars flying out there, well, first of all, when you pack up, was there nine people, 10 people and three kids and you start rolling and you got a Vegas flight at 9.30 PM. No families go to Vegas at 9.30 PM. <laughs> And you're rolling through the Vegas airport with a load. I mean, we're, we're coming like a caravan. And instead of getting multiple rental cars, you know, of course we want to get a big van and have three car seats in there. Everybody's together. Everybody's screaming together. Not just the kids. We're all screaming. We scre- it was awesome. It was a great time. Anyways, uh, we went out to a couple amazing, amazing places. Has there been anybody who has been out west like, and has seen? Cool. Um, there are some amazing wonders out there that you must see before you, in this life, you have to go see them. Um, and this is the first thing I thought of when we were out there, when I was, when I was looking at this fear of the Lord. Uh, we went to Zion National Park, and absolutely beautiful, breathtaking. Uh, we went to the Grand Canyon. We went to Bryce Canyon. We went to all these amazing, amazing places. And you know what? As I stood on I had been to the Grand Canyon once before, but as we rolled up to it again, I was maybe 12 or 13, didn't really appreciate it. And as I rolled up to it again, I wasn't really looking forward to it because I was like, oh, I've already seen it, whatever. As soon as you step over and you see everything, you know what you're filled with? Awe and wonder and amazement and mystery and astonishment. It's amazing. This same concept is the fear of the Lord. It's the same thing. Now, we went hiking in Zion National Park, and there's, it's, it's called one of the most dangerous hikes in the United States that's open to the public. Um, and it is, so over here, there's a thousand foot drop, and then you've got about this much, and there's a thousand foot drop. And you have to carry along a chain, and you have to go along this chain to go. And I tell you what, if you would treat that casually, it would not be good right? There is a, there's a certain attention to detail that you hold on to as you are hiking. You do not want to miss a step. It's the same thing with the fear of the Lord. This fear of the Lord, it's, it's a wonder, it's an amazement, it's a mystery, but it's not a casual relationship. He's the Lord. It's not casual. But you know, think if, if the president of the United States or some high government official or somebody that you really, really revere um, invites you into, into his home and, and wants to have a friendship with you, calls you out and says, I want to have a friendship with you. You would never do anything to jeopardize that friendship. You wouldn't treat it casually. It's the same with the Lord. It's not a casual relationship. He's the Lord. There's that fear. It's the awe, the wonder, amazement, the reverence of God. I love how John Bevere describes the fear of the Lord. He says that the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of him, but being terrified of being without him. That's good. So there's two conditions. 
If we wanna move from servanthood to friendship, there's two conditions. The first one, you do what he tells you to do. And the second one, you fear him. Now, for a conditional promise, there's things to be met on our end, but there's also a reward on his end. Let's look at it. So the promise in John 15 first. Let's go to, I think it's, in verse 15. So no longer do I call you servants. Why? Because the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Wow. Remember, a servant does not know what his master is doing. So what's Jesus doing? He's inviting us into a deeper place of communion where he will actually tell us his inner workings and what he's doing. The creator, the Lord of the heavens of the earth is inviting us into his inner workings. Does that sound better than just merely being a servant? Than merely just standing, you know, at a distance, ready to, ready to listen to whatever he says, go do it, whatever, it's fine. Or would you rather be brought in? And remember, a true friend is first a servant. So you don't lose that quality of carrying out what he says to do. But you get invited into a place of closeness and friendship. So if, if you've ever heard, and I know I've said it, we've probably all said it, you know, oh, well, you know, I just, I'm not sure what the Lord is doing, but he's doing something. Well, he wants to tell you, <laughs> right? He wants to tell you. He's made all of himself available to you. Ephesians 5, 16, don't be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. Why? Because it's possible to know it. Because he wants to tell us. He wants to show us. But it's only done through the closeness of a friendship. So here's the reward in a nutshell. The reward of the friendship of the Lord, it's him. It's him. The reward for friendship is him. It's his closeness. It's his presence. It's him. You know, Jesus longs to share. He told his, told his disciples, I'm not calling you servants anymore. I wanna tell you what I'm doing. He longs to share his inner workings with us, with each one of us, but... He is not going to shout them from the rooftops. He's going to whisper them. And you have to be close enough. It's the only way you'll hear it. Unless, the other option is we stay at a distance, we do what he says to do, and we only take on the role of a servant. That's it. Here's another benefit of this friendship, another reward. We have the boldness to ask him anything. Let that sink in. We have the boldness to ask the creator of the world anything. And not just that. He said he'll give it to us. Verse 16. He says, um, he says, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Servants don't have the boldness or even the access to ask their master to give them something, let alone anything. Servants don't have that opportunity, but a friend does. A friend does. Um, <laughs> many of you guys can remember the, the, the story of the golden calf in Exodus. And um, I shouldn't laugh because it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. Um, 
you know, Exodus 33, 11, it says, it says how the Lord spoke, it, he spoke to Moses face to face like a man speaks to his friend. That's Exodus 33, verse 11. Um, once again, that's been made available to us. But um, so Aaron and the golden calf and, you know, Moses goes up the mountain and he's with the Lord and he's gone for an extended amount of time. And so the people down there, they get restless. They, they, kind of, they go off the deep end. I don't know how else to say it. And uh, so Aaron goes, well, hey, guys, bring to me all your gold and I'll fashion this golden calf and we'll worship it. And that will be our God. And this is going to be the God that took us out of Egypt. And uh, so Moses comes down. Well, they, they get wind of it up on the mountain. But Moses comes down. And <laughs> you have kids. You can so relate to this story. This is so funny. Um, it, Moses comes down and he... Uh, Aaron, what are you doing? What are you doing? And you know what his answer was? He said, he said, they brought me all this gold and I just threw it in the fire and out came a calf. (laughs) I don't know how it happened. It's not funny, but it is. You know, that's, that's what sin will do. Sin will do anything to cover up, right? I just threw it in, and it, it just came out of calf. Um, so, well, not just that, but then we just started worshiping it and saying it, that's the one that delivered us from Egypt. So, no. Um, but what, he, what, what God wanted to give the Israelites access to was what he had given to Moses, but they didn't want it. They said, we're terrified of you and your voice. We are terrified. But God wanted to speak to them face to face, just like he spoke to Moses like a friend. We cannot be terrified of him. We cannot be terrified of him. He says to fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. He would not say fear not a million times just to say, you've got to be afraid of me. That's not the fear of the Lord. Don't be afraid of him. Genesis 18. Um, Well, Abraham. Abraham is called a friend of God of God. He's known in scripture, I think it's mentioned three or four times in that, once in James. He's he's known as the friend of God. And there's this incredible story in Genesis 18 where God comes down and eats a dinner, eats dinner with Abraham. But not just that, he says, hey Abraham, I'm on my way over to Sodom and Gomorrah and I'm going to destroy them. You know what he says? What do you think? And Abraham says, well, Lord, what if there's 50 righteous people? He said, okay, if you find 50 righteous people, I'll do it. And you know the story. He keeps going down, 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 down. But he's talking with him face to face like a friend. You know what a servant would do? If a servant ever gets told, servant, I'm going to go and destroy that city. He says, okay, what do you want me to do? but a friend can talk face to face. We need to desire that. So what would hold us back? What would hold us back from the friendship of the Lord? I think there's two things. I think, I think the first one is not, being, not knowing it's available. You have to at least know it's available to 
If you don't know that friendship with the Lord is a possible thing, then you'll never go after it. You'll just stay a servant. So you have to know it's available. So boom, we know it's available. Jesus says it. But the second thing is fear. Now this is a very common thing amongst ourselves. And this doesn't just translate friendship to Jesus, it translates to our own friendships. Now don't raise your hands, but, well, I guess I can even raise my hand. I've done this times before, but how many of us have put up walls so that people can only get this close? Why? Because we are so fearful of what they would say if we actually let them in. We're afraid of the vulnerability and having our heart laid bare and exposed. So I'm gonna keep you at this length. I will keep you this close, but that's it. So naturally, we put the same exact walls up to Christ. And we say, you know what, Jesus, it is, it's so much easier to be saved and stay at a distance so that you can't see all of my baggage. It's just better to stay at a distance. It's so much easier to stay at a distance and merely be a servant. But you're not called to just be a servant. You are called into the friendship of the Lord. Jesus paid for it. He paid for us to move from servanthood and the fear of being exposed to an intimate, close relationship. So there's, there's a couple very important things with this. He is not threatened by your issues. He is not threatened by those. Honestly, and to, the, to enjoy the fullness of his friendship, we have to let down those walls. We have to. It first starts with our walls to Christ, but then that automatically goes to the walls with each other. We've got to let him into every single room of our heart. Every room, even the darkest part, every single room. But listen, he's not mad, he's not angry, and he's not even disappointed. He longs to be intimate with you like a true friend. There's this incredible quote by, it's John Parsons. And John Parsons was, he was one of the guys, he's, he's, I don't know what he does, but he had this study on the fear of the Lord that I was, that I was looking into. Um, I started with John Bevere and, you know, really had to, had to go through some stuff. And then I found some of his stuff and he wrote a whole bunch of the stuff of the fear of the Lord. Amazing quote. He said, to the extent to which we block God out of certain areas of our lives is a measure of the distance in our relationship with him. Friends are comfortable and open with each other. Close friends don't block each other out of certain areas. They don't hide how they really live. A close friend feels free to drop by and catch us when the house is a mess and we don't feel uncomfortable with the visit. Those who are friends with the living God welcome him into the most intimate and personal areas of life and they count it a privilege to know him and to be known by him. Man, there's something about knowing him, yes, but there's something even more about being known by him. And that's only when you let down every wall and you expose the heart and say, Jesus, this is everything I've got. Would you take it? Would you take it? Servants find their worth being busy in accomplishing tasks. 
but friends find their worth in just being with the one who makes their heart come alive. While servants are busy doing tasks, friends are content just to sit and enjoy each other. It's the classic Mary and Martha situation. The servant is always looking for things to do and then gets mad when nobody else is gonna do anything. So I'm just gonna do everything. That's how a servant finds his worth in the accomplishment of tasks. But a friend finds his worth in being with the one who makes him come alive. Friends make time for each other. Friends don't hide their personal lives from each other. Friends pour out their hearts to each other. And I love this last one. Friends dream together. There are seeds of desires that have been deposited into every single one of us. And it's not there on accident. It was dropped there. And those desires are called dreams. But a servant will never dream with his master because his servant does not think he is worthy of his master. So he'll never get close enough to even talk about it. He'll just say, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? But a friend a friend will dream with his master. He will dream with him. There are desires that are in each one of us that only we can fulfill. We're the unique, unique opportunity to fulfill a desire of God. And it's in dreaming with him. He invites that, to dream with him. So a friend still carries out tasks the same as a servant would. Remember, we're not downplaying the role of a servant. The first thing you need to do, the first condition, a friend is first a servant. Not downplaying that, but a friend enjoys proximity and closeness that a servant would never have access to. So the role and importance of a servant cannot be understated. You know, Jesus came to serve. Yet there is a place in relationship with the Lord where we must, we must move from servanthood to friendship. We must. A friend is first a servant. And a true friend does everything a servant does, but a friend has privilege and access that a servant never could. Why don't we stand? So this fear thing has to be dealt with. So where are you on it? Jesus, or Jesus. <laughs> JB, <laughs> who plays guitar like Jesus? <laughs> Would you want to come strum a little bit? <laughs> I don't know how it happened. It just came out. I just, <laughs> this fear thing has to be dealt with. Because if we never deal with breaking down the walls between us and Christ and enter into his friendship, we will never have true friendship with each other. We will never be able to be vulnerable with each other and we'll only go surface level, talk about the weather, the Browns, the Cavs, the Indians, and what everything else is going on. Come on. But there is a friendship that is possible. But fear has to go. He is not afraid of your issues. He's not afraid of your problems.
So we're gonna sing, we're gonna sing this last song. More than a friend, can you do that? It was that last song we sang. It says, Jesus, you're more than a friend. And if there's areas in your heart where you've not let him into, let him go. Let him come in. Let him come in. If you have to come to the front and surrender it, you can come to the front and surrender it. But let him in. Let him into every single part. Jesus, thank you. Would you show us what your true friendship looks like? Jesus, we long for something more. God, we don't want to just, to just be at a distance and just to carry out tasks. We want to dream with you. If there's dreams that need to be reawakened in your heart today, you can reawaken those dreams. Voice it to him. Tell him, God, I still know there's dreams that are unfulfilled that must be carried out on this earth while I am here. 